Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us for this special episode, an episode to help you, hopefully, help guide you, give you some information that would be useful to you. You know, one of the things we try to do through There It Is is encourage better habits, especially with the newsletter where we're constantly talking about establishing more helpful habits and creating an efficient morning routine. I say we, but it's a royal we. It's literally just me. (laughs) I do research, I interview experts, and I try new things. One thing I tried was Magic Mind, and I liked it so much I started talking about it to you. It was genuine. I talked about the benefits, I talked about how much better it is for me than coffee, I even mispronounced most of the ingredients, but it didn't stop me from talking about it. Most things don't work at all like the makers describe it. Not even a little bit. And this is why I was so skeptical when I saw those ads for Magic Mind on Instagram and YouTube, but its ingredients aren't new to us. We have known about them. You and me, not the royal we anymore. I mean, we as in you and me. You know, we know matcha is legit. We know lion's mane and ashwagandha are real things that have worked for people. Well, those things are just three of the ingredients in Magic Mind. Please don't make me try to pronounce the others. When I tell you I have a good experience with magic mind, I am being genuine. It wakes me up. I have energy. Now, coffee wakes me up, sure, but the difference is in how I feel. With coffee, it's just a buzz. With magic mind, it's like being awake and focused. I call it clean energy because I don't have the jitters and I'm not frazzled like I am when I have coffee. That buzzy feeling coffee gives me doesn't feel good. I can easily feel sick, and not even as focused as I am when I drink Magic Mind. So, what's it worth having coffee if I'm not going to be as focused, I'm not going to feel good, and I'm not going to feel the right kind of awake? I'm going to feel a very, uh, I've got to do something. That's called anxiety. So, if you too would like to wake up, have a clearer mind, and no brain fog, then I suggest you try Magic Mind. And this month only, so basically today and tomorrow, you get one month for free when you subscribe for three months at magicmind.com slash Jan, there it is, and use code there it is 20 for an extra 20% off. That is so much off. And I know the sticker price of a subscription may give you pause, but at most Buying on magicmind.com will be like four bucks a shot, and that's less than a cup of coffee at some big name coffee shop. And with this discount, you're going to save money. Magicmind.com slash Jan, there it is. Use code there it is 20 for an extra 20% off. 
Today, we're talking about diversity and inclusion in comedy scenes. Click, turn off episode. Okay, for those of you who are still here, I wanted to talk about the how and why of being more inclusive at your comedy theater or comedy room or collective. This came to mind because I am currently coordinating the diversity scholarship at the Magnet Theater. Scholarships like ours at the Magnet exist to support underrepresented people and promote having a theater that represents the community at large. What it's not about is whatever people who make statements about diversity in bad faith try to do. Whatever that is, that's not what this conversation I'm having with you is about. Anyone who says stuff like, oh, they're going woke, they are not serious people. There's no use addressing people like that. It's also not worth being performative like they assume everyone is. Being performative doesn't usually have a positive long-term effect. And that's what we are trying to encourage with this episode, is having a positive long-term effect. One thing I will say is that different activities get popular with any group of people at different times, and you can't really do anything about that. Improv is something that just didn't interest certain groups for a long time. And there are different reasons for that, but some of it is just because it wasn't interesting (laughs) to those groups. But if there's a group that tends to be overlooked because of... I don't know, maybe a more nearly diverse group being in charge, having some practices in place to engage people who are underrepresented and overlooked in your community can be a good thing. So first, let's chat about the why. Why is it good to have diversity in a comedy theater? So here are some bullet points for why that's important. Number one, representation. Reflecting a diverse range of voices on stage and behind the scenes enhances the authenticity of what happens on your stage. Also, representation fosters a stronger connection with the audience and can inspire them to get involved and for you to include them. Number two, audience and community engagement. Diverse programming attracts a broader audience, which adds to the theater or collective's reach and relevance. One of the main things you hear improvisers say when talking about how they found improv is that they found their people. If you go to a place where people who look like you are not present or people who are like you are not present, you're less likely to have that kind of connection, even if, say, improv could be for you. The idea of improv might be interesting to someone, but if they don't feel like they're going to be accepted or welcomed, well, they're not going to stick around. And so you're not going to have that broader audience that you want to attract. It can also build community because a diverse audience can lead to a more dynamic cultural exchange, making the community more cultured, which can lead to you and your audience's learning more about yourself as well as others. Number three, creativity and innovation. With people from different cultures and backgrounds creating comedy in your space, everyone there will be exposed to ideas they wouldn't have come up with on their own. So that's cool. Learning new ideas from different people. That's why they say two heads are better than one. Well, what if they're like eight heads in the room, you know? You hear new things, you think of things you wouldn't have thought of, which helps lead you to something new for you. 
Next, equity and access. Promoting inclusion ensures equal opportunities for individuals from all backgrounds in terms of employment, training, and participation in your space, in your theater maybe. Breaking down barriers to access makes the theater more welcoming for everyone, including marginalized communities. Not all barriers are based in bigotry, by the way. I do want to point that out because a lot of times when you hear diversity and inclusion, people just think about race and LGBTQ. It's not always just that, and it's not necessarily that you are bigoted to those people. There's also, you know, there are ethnicities, there's different age groups, people with disabilities. Lots of different people can be overlooked and not around, and not because of a hatred towards that group. You just may not realize what someone else's experience is in your space. And if they are in some way feeling discouraged from engaging, and you aren't aware of that, then it's harder to reach out to them and get them to stick around. So, you know, we talk about making access a little easier for them, for, and, and that can play out in different ways. And also next, social responsibility. Now, this is one where people can easily be performative, but there is a social responsibility to this. Too many people have spoken up to say that they feel like they're being left out or ignored or not included in some way or maybe not connected with. Uh, you know, it reminds me of this story. I believe Michael Che was talking about this. He was saying that when he first started writing at SNL, there were less black people in the room when they're doing like read-throughs. So sometimes a sketch written by him or another black person who was there, and there were only like a couple at this time, that sketch may not land with the room because the people there just didn't get it. That was the way he said it. It was just like, oh, you know, it was just something that if there weren't enough black people there, so there wasn't the cultural knowledge in the room to get what was going on in the sketch. And that's tough in a space that picks sketches based on how many people in the room laughed, right? So having a more diverse group in the room not only allows for some sketches to get on or get some attention, it also gives people watching at home something to connect with when it ends up on the show. The same works for your theater. So because of things like this, it makes it a responsibility to try to involve different people in your comedy scene. And lastly for the why, satisfaction. A culture of inclusivity fosters a supportive environment leading to people sticking around to be a part of your comedy community. So that's why it's important. That's why it's important. But how do you do it? You might be thinking, well, I don't turn anyone away. I try to treat everyone the same. I don't buddy up with the dudes in my comedy scene and act icy towards the women. Isn't that being inclusive? Well, that's a good question, hypothetical person. I'm glad you asked. You are doing the right thing by not being a jerk to anyone, but if you're running a room or a comedy theater, then there are specific things beyond not being a jerk that would promote inclusivity and help make your scene more diverse. It could be really easy to overlook doing more than just not being a jerk. And let's run through some things that you can do to help. Okay, it's not some, it's quite a few. It's about 10 things that you can do, 10 or 11 things you can do to help diversity and inclusion in your comedy scene or theater. 
Number one, assess current practices. Conduct a thorough assessment of current practices. Do you reach out to other communities by getting the word out in various publications or by outreach? When casting, are you considering what practices need improvement? Are you aware of the breakdown of your scene? Are you doing anything? And that goes back to, is the only thing you're doing not being a jerk? Because that's that's not really outreach. It's great that you're not a jerk, but if that's the only practice, then you're not necessarily going to see any change. Number two, establish a diverse committee and establish a committee at all. If you're running a theater and you're casting teams, you're teaching classes, you're naming coaches, then you're going to want to make sure you have a dedicated committee to make these decisions that are diverse and represent a cross-section of the organization, including the artists or the staffs or the management, you know, coaches and directors. Also, maybe the people you started your theater or collective with are exactly like you. Like, maybe you're all white dudes. Okay, that's fine. This isn't about making you feel bad for being a white guy. It's just suggestions about what you can do to help. So if that's the case for you, then maybe just be intentional about diversity and inclusion when making decisions. Part of the reason for this episode is to help you have good practices and seek good practices. So these next bullet points are going to be good for you to follow if you fall into that category. Create a diversity and inclusion policy. So develop a formal diversity and inclusion policy that outlines the theater or collective's commitment goals and specific actions. Communicate the policy internally and externally to set clear expectations and foster accountability. Now, I understand you might just think, well, I just run an open mic. Okay, fine. Maybe you don't need to have a strict policy or something like that because you are just running an open mic, okay? I get it. Think about where you are sharing that your open mic exists. That that goes back to the outreach thing, okay? Does that make sense? Another bullet point here, provide training and education. There are more than likely organizations in your area that can offer education and resources to you and your team. This is, of course, if you're running a theater or a collective. And also, there are online resources you can look at, like, say, the Jerome Foundation's retool form. Now, that's specifically about racial equity and the panel process, but I'll still share it in the description because it can still offer a practice to help guide you with. Next, diversify programming and casting. Actively seek out and feature works by diverse performers. What other performance groups are in your city? I bet there are some with a completely different demographic than yours. Reach out to them and see how you can collaborate. Next, promote equal opportunities, like a scholarship if your theater teaches classes or provide mentorship programs to support the development of underrepresented performers. Next, foster an inclusive environment. Establish safe spaces for open dialogue and feedback on diversity and inclusion. Next, accessibility initiatives. Make the theater physically accessible to all, including those with disabilities. Next, community engagement. Collaborate with community organizations to co-produce or support events that reflect diverse perspectives. This can really open things up 
in terms of outreach. And lastly, evaluate and adjust. Regularly assess the effectiveness of diversity and inclusion initiatives through surveys and feedback sessions. And then adjust strategies based on the feedback received and also keep evolving. I want to stress again that this is not about making people feel bad for what they're not doing. It is all about giving you some tools, some ideas to step forward in a way that you want to. You want to be effective. That's why you listen to this episode. You want to achieve certain goals. So step forward in good faith with these things like I know you want to. And don't feel like you're not doing enough. If you're trying at all, you're doing something. So don't get caught up in beating yourself up or feeling like, oh, well, there are all these bullet points and I didn't do all of them. Do the ones that make sense for your scene. Because again, you, you might be running a theater, but the next person might be running an open mic and it's going to look different in those two spaces. But you're listening to this because you want to help. You want to see diversity and inclusion improve in your scene. That's great. Please don't beat yourself up about what maybe you're not doing. Because what you do running an improv theater is maybe going to be different than what the next person who's running an open mic is going to do. You're not going to do all of these bullet points necessarily. But if you're doing them to move forward, then that's great. And then just keep adjusting so you can catch whatever slipped through the cracks. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is, and follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes and Instagram at Jason Far Picks. Also, subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to ThereItIsPod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 